I want to just start with the words of a song. So, good morning. My name is Richard. That's not the name of the words of a song. But I just thought you'd need to know who I am before I start quoting other people's songs and other people's scriptures. It says here, um, a song by a band called Delirious. Some of you guys who are over 35 might know about them. For under 35, go and look them up. They're in the archives somewhere. And um, they are really, really cool. Um, but they sing this song, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar when the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one? And as we were worshiping there, those words came to my mind as I was standing in front here, just hearing the people singing of our Jesus Christ, singing about this king, singing about the Lord, singing about a king who is above all else. I started to feel those mountains tremble. I started to feel the oceans roar. Do we realize that when we come and bring worship to our King and we sing of the goodness and the greatness of our God, do we realize that something in the spiritual moves, something in the spiritual breaks, something in the spiritual takes place? And I've got the privilege this morning to take us into the last section of um, our series that we've been doing. The series has been called, for those who haven't been here, Devoted, based on Acts 2, verses 42. And it says in that verse, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We've been going through this for about four or five weeks. Teb started us off with a really passionate plea to become passionate again, to become passionate about what the King and what the Lord is doing in our lives and what He has called us to be devoted to. He's called us to be devoted to these four things, but we need to, in our heart, become passionate about them. It can't just be, oh, this is something that we need to do as a church. There needs to be a passion that rises up in us. And Tebs, in the only way only Tebs can do, encouraged us to become passionate again about these things, about the core foundations of what makes a church a church, what makes the kingdom the kingdom. Then Wes was, um, we were fortunate to have Wes preach twice on the topic. So Wes uh, encouraged us about the apostles' teachings and about breaking of bread. Two things that go hand in hand is that we need to be aware of what happened when Jesus walked the earth. Not all the apostles' teachings was based on the Old Testament. A lot of it was based on what Jesus did and was doing, and a lot of the apostles' teachings was spirit-breathed. And the life of the Spirit came in and breathed it breathed life into those words and to the apostles' teachings. And then something that had become traditional in the breaking of bread, traditional in the Passover meal, Wes encouraged us to realize that it's not a tradition, but it's a remembrance of who our king is. And that when we do it, it shouldn't be done as a tradition. It shouldn't be done as a religious practice. It should be done out of a remembrance of our great king and what he has done for us. And then squashed in between there was Micah. So one thing I learned about Micah during that is that he longs to be married. But then he also longs to be be in the community. He longs to be in the community with people. He longs to see people interacting with each other, looking after each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other. And that is part of what the fellowship is. And so my privilege, like I said, is to to, to preach this morning... On prayer. But one thing that I just want to clarify is that when, you, when we read the verse, it says, 
they devoted themselves to. And when I go into a business meeting with my manager, one of the things that he always says to me is, is when I give him a big feedback about this, 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 and they are doing this, and they are doing this, and they are getting involved in that, or whatever it might be, he always asks one clarifying question. Who is they? It's very easy for me to point a finger and say, they are doing, they are doing. But who is they that, are talking, that we're talking about here? So I just want to spend a second just exploring that topic of who is they. And I know a lot of you will say, okay, well, if you read other versions of the Bible, it says it in a different way. But I'm going with this, this, this one this morning, if you don't mind. So if you go back just one verse to Acts 2, verse 41, and um, we read there, those who accepted his message, this is Peter's message, were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So if we read that and we understand a little bit of the context that Wes has given to us and Tebs has given to us, is that they were mainly of Jewish descent, people who were in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost, who heard what Peter said, who had seen the Spirit move and had accepted the message that Peter had brought. They had been baptized and they had committed themselves. They had become convinced about this Jesus, about this Jesus that was king. They had been directed by words that had been spirit-filled in order to accept who this Jesus was and had been and was settling, starting to develop and create. Simply said, they were all the believers. So the other version says, all the believers devoted themselves to so we're talking about believers, people who had seen Jesus Christ, who had recognized his spirit and had heard the word and had responded and become convinced about what it was that um, Jesus was building. It, a little bit later, I'll talk about the building that Jesus Christ was doing. But let's just pause for a moment and just go to where Hendrik was taking us this morning with regards to the day of Pentecost. So today we celebrate the day of Pentecost. What do we celebrate when we celebrate the day of Pentecost? We celebrate that the Holy Spirit is not for one, but it is for all. That that Holy Spirit didn't come at the day of Pentecost and then just disappear. That it came, and as Jesus said, I will send someone to guide you, to direct you, to be with you, while I am not with you. And so the Spirit came to be with us so that we can be part of what Jesus is building, so that we can hear his word on a day-to-day -day basis, so that we can, and that's we can, not me, not them, it's so that we, those who believe and hear, can come into knowledge of the Spirit. And so today is, a, is an amazing day in that the church was built through the Holy Spirit coming. The church was built first by Jesus coming, then the Holy Spirit came and added momentum to what they was doing. When the Holy Spirit came, it says, three th about 3,000 were added to them on that day. But now we have the Holy Spirit and we have the believers. So their response, the believers' response, and I can say they now because you should know who they are without me having to say the believers every time. They devoted themselves to these four things. And the privilege, like I have said, is that I have to tell you about prayer. I have to tell you about what it is that 
God has said to us about prayer, what Jesus said to us about prayer. But in order for us to understand why the believers devoted themselves to prayer, we have to understand what prayer was and what prayer meant to them as believers, as newly formed believers. So for me, prayer is pretty much one thing. And no, it's not going to be a short preach today. (laughs) It's just one thing. Prayer is communication with God. And so if we have a look at a definition of what communication is, it says here, in our daily life, communication helps us build relationships by allowing us to share our experiences and needs and helps us to connect to others. It's the essence of life, allowing us to express our feelings, pass on information, and share thoughts. We all need communication. And yes, we know that communication takes on different forms in our day-to-day life now. So the forms that it takes is there's verbal, but there's also actions and grunts that also help us to communicate and make sure that people know what's going on around us. I watched a soccer match yesterday, and if I had read the communication right of the player that went down onto the floor, um, he was probably needing to go to hospital. He had been kicked so hard. But the reality is hadn't. So we can over-communicate in some, some stages. He was rolling around the floor as if someone had put a, a boot through his kneecap, and I don't think they had even touched him. So sometimes we can over-communicate. But why did the believers communicate? What were they trying to do in, in this? I believe that they devoted themselves to communicate to God. They'd had Jesus with them, walking with them. Now they needed a communication channel, and so they prayed. They prayed to build their relationship with God, spending time with him, getting to know him, and getting to understand him, and getting to understand the way that he directs. Do we spend time with God just to put our, our requests forward, as if we were in a restaurant asking for a meal? Or do we spend time with God to get to know him and understand him and understand the direction that he has for us? They spent time communicating with God to share their experiences. I don't know about you, but for me, in the last couple of weeks has been a, a whirlwind of things happening and going on. Lots, um, lots and lots going on. But can you imagine what it must have been like for these apostles and these new believers? They were there facing opposition on a regular basis. They only had themselves to share with. And so they needed another channel to communicate and another place to kind of express express their feelings and share their, their, um, their experiences. They communicated with God to express their feelings. Sometimes we do feel frustrated. Sometimes we do feel angry. If we look at the, the Psalms, we see that in many instances, as why am I so why is my soul down? Why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated with what's going on? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And can I say to you that that's okay? That's okay to express yourself to God in that way because we do. We live in a, in a world that creates confusion, frustration, anger. Um, it creates a, an element of where we mourn and where we grieve. It's okay to express your feelings to the king. He wants you. He wants to build that relationship with you. So the, other, the, the, the fourth point there is to pass information on to God. And I, I muddled over this one just a little bit, thinking, but he knows. He's there. He's 
why do we need to pass information on to him? But I think it's a good thing for us to be able to just communicate, this is what's going on in my life, God. And so it's not always a want, not always a need, but there's, this is what's going on in my life. And they communicated God to share their thoughts with God about what was going on. A lot of what we've heard is based on Jesus' life and what he did. And so when we get to to a point a little bit later, we need to realize that this was also the tactic of Jesus. He didn't just kind of believe that he had the supernatural connection, which he did. He also believed in working it out in his flesh. Many religions define the way that we need to pray, the way the, the, the words that you need to say, the place that you need to be in, the way that you look, the way you feel, the head bowed down, all these type of things, the words that you have to say. These, them, all the believers realized that they didn't need to do that. They could communicate wherever and whenever they wanted to. But they did have to heed one warning, which we read in the Bible about when Jesus talks about prayer. They had to heed one warning about prayer. And I think it's important for us to realize that as we pray, we also need to understand the motives behind we pray. What is the motive? So it says here in Matthew 6 verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So I just want to stop for a second and just say that we need to understand the motives of why we pray, to understand the motives of why the the apostles prayed. And I believe that that motive should be, as we read a little bit further in in, in Matthew 6, in verse 11, and it says that his will on earth is done. Our motive for prayer and the motive of the believers should be to see God's will done on earth. Not anything else, but to see God's will done on earth. So the second reason I believe that they devoted themselves to prayer was this, that they devoted themselves to prayer to knock on the door in order to see God move. So it says in Luke 11, 5 verse 8, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. And I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I take two things out of this, and it also talks about it in, in 1 Thessalonians verse 5. I'll take two things. It says that we need to have the confidence to ask. We need to have the audacity, as he talks about here, to ask for things. And so we can very easily become like, oh, I can't ask Jesus for that. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to do that for me. But I believe that we need to understand what his will is and then pray with confidence as to what 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 it is that will happen. Keep praying with confidence, and then we need to continue to pray and pray continuously. We can't become disheartened when we don't hear that answer that we want to hear. We often in the business world say that it's only communicated once it's communicated what you want to hear. So if you want something solved, the only real communication that can come is, oh, it has been solved. 
Um, and sometimes it's not. It has been sold. Sometimes it is. Continue with the journey. Sometimes the answer is no. And then we need to know that God's will is something different for us in that season. It's a difficult one. Just a, another example of this is uh, Wesley mentioned it about the um, Israelites in, e- in Egypt. And the Lord said in Exodus 3, 7 to 8, when he was speaking to Moses, he said this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their sufferings. I have heard them. And that meant that although Israel was under captivity, they were in slavery, they continued to cry out to the Lord. A remembrance for us is that when we are in captivity, when we're facing the battles, when we are grieving, don't turn inwards, turn to the Lord. Continue to cry out to our King, for He hears, for He hears, and He does. I just wrote you, God moves in His own sovereign way, but we can ask in His name, and He will move for His own glory. They devoted themselves so that they could see the glory of God. They could see the establishment of what God was doing. And then the third point, as I said, is most of these things that the... the, um, that the early church, the church of Acts did, was that they looked to Jesus and said, how do we walk this out? How do we emulate what Jesus did and walk it out? I believe that there's a firm foundation on which to stand, of, of looking at the example of Jesus and saying, how do I walk this out in my life? Looking at the example of what he did and how he did it, and then walking it out in our own lives. But when it comes to prayer, they devoted themselves to prayer because Jesus devoted himself to prayer. And so they saw when Jesus was walking the earth in his human flesh that he prioritized prayer, that he took time out of his day to prioritize prayer. We read in Hebrews 5 verse 7, it says, In the days of his flesh he offered up both prayer and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Matthew 14, 23 says this, After he had sent the crowds away, he went up, on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Mark 1 verse 35, and I'm just going to read some verses here. It says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. John 11:41, the story of Lazarus. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for what you have heard me that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus, you see a constant pattern of him praying. It mentions about 29 times in the Bible, um, Jesus going off to pray or Jesus praying. And I just want to look at how Jesus prayed quickly. I won't spend too much time on this, but this is what the, um, the new believers modeled their, themselves on. He prayed earnestly. He prayed faithfully, which means regularly. Regularly he was found on the mountain. He prayed with full of faith, knowing what God would do and could do. He prayed for God's will to be done. He prayed for God's glory to be seen. And he prayed when he was depleted. All great examples of when we should pray and and how we should be praying is to model ourselves on what Jesus did and Jesus showed us. So when it comes to prayer, we need to look at our king and see how he prayed. 
We need to look at what he did when he was on, on the earth. We need to understand that he found himself at his father's feet regularly in order to hear what his father was doing and to follow hard after him. How much more for a guy, a man, a man who had a complete connection with his father, how much more for us than for men who had that connection? How much more should we be found in the evenings on the mountains by ourselves praying? How much more should we be seeking out the Lord and the Father's will for our lives? How much more? How much more? So that's where I end the section of prayer. But I've also got the privilege of wrapping up this series. And so if you would turn with me to Acts 5, 29 to 36, I just want to show you just a little bit of what this all was part of, if I can put it that way. So Jesus was building. God was building something. He was creating foundations. And so I read Acts 2, verse 41, and I read that they devoted themselves to the following things. Then I read in Acts 5, verse 29, when when they, when they, the believers, had appeared before the Sanhedrin and they were being questioned about what they were saying about this Jesus Christ. And they were being threatened with life and, their, um, and death and all sorts of being expelled from, um, from the, the, the places at the time. And, and it reads here in five verse, uh, Acts 5, 29 to 36, it says, yeah, when they, the Jewish leaders, in brackets, heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you are intending to do with these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody and a about 400 men rallied to him. Just remember that 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed, and all the followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purses, purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting with God. And so as I read these, this verse and I read the verse about what they devoted themselves to, two thoughts came to my mind. One is from that song that we sing, King of Kings, that says, And the church of Christ was born. The Acts, Acts Church, Acts 2, tells us and shows us about the church of Christ being born. The followers, the believers. We talk about 400 men earlier. It said 3,000 were added to their number. There was an impetus that was created in the creation and the development of this church, of the establishment of Christ's church on earth. It wasn't 400. It was thousands were added to their number. So there was an impetus that was created and it says here, the church of Christ was born. This verse shows me that the church was born, and then it has to have matured from there. But it has to base itself on certain foundations. What are those foundations? The foundations are 
what they devoted themselves to. So as a church, we need to be looking at the Acts Church and saying, are we devoting ourselves to prayer? Are we, are we devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching? Are we devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread? And are we bre- devoting ourselves to fellowship? Are we devoting ourselves to thing, these things? And this is where the passion needs to grow for those elements of our faith. These weren't new things for the church, if I can put it that way. They weren't brand, brand new, like they'd never done this before. They had seen prayer done before. They had heard the apostles' teachings. They had heard teachings on God before. But all of this was an adaption of it moving from the old covenant into the new covenant. And so they, their devotion, what they devoted themselves to was based on the new covenant with Jesus. The teachings were new. Not 100% new. The teachings were new. There was newness in the way that the apostles brought the word. They looked to what Jesus had been saying, and they brought that word. They brought the freedom that the message of Jesus came in. We spoke about the Gentiles were included. The apostles' teachings included a message for the Gentiles, included freedom for everyone, not just a little nation, but for everyone. We sit here today because the apostles' teachings included us. Fellowship would not have been something new to them, but they were fellowshipping around something different. They were fellowshipping around Jesus. They were fellowshipping around this message that Peter had brought on the day of Pentecost. They were fellowshipping around the breaking of bread. So breaking of bread had moved from a religious practice into a remembrance of our king. So what does this mean for us going forward? So we've had a lovely series. We've spoken about these things. But we need to respond and to change. And so I've got four little points here that I've taken out of the last couple of uh, weeks' worth of um, messages. And I said, we need to build on these foundations. We need to build on the foundations that we've, we've spoken about. We need to find a family. We need to find a family that we can knit into and knit in with. We can't do this journey alone. We can't devote ourselves and continually be pressing ourselves in if we don't have a family. And when I talk about a family, I'm not talking about blood. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus, that he has brought us into family. We need to place importance on the important, important things. It's very easy for us to be caught up in the activities of the world and what's going on around us. Very easy for us to be thrown backwards and forwards by the day-to-day um, goings-on. But we need to place importance on the fellowship. We need to place importance on breaking bread. We need to place importance on the apostles' teachings and prayer. We need to prioritize these things so that we can encourage ourselves and encourage each other. We need to, and this is quite a, quite a tough one in this day and age, we need to get together. We need to get together and be found together. We can't be scattered around the world or scattered around the country or scattered around the province and not be meeting with people who have the same identity as us. Linz and I, for those who have heard or those who haven't heard, are preparing to go to Singapore. And one of the things that we see as a focus is making sure that we've got a family over there, making sure that we've got a place that we can knit in and form relationships with people so that we can encourage and that we can be an encouragement to others and that we can be encouraged by others. Um, 
And in all things, I think we've said it a couple of times. Andrew said it um, when he was talking about um, the, the equip and what the main message was. In everything, we need to be looking to Jesus. We need to be looking to what he did, how he did it, why he did it, and then trying to follow suit. Trying to follow him, trying to be led by the Spirit. And then I've got two questions for you to ponder over this weekend. Two questions that I've asked myself um, over the last week as well as, as I've been preparing. The one question is, are you devoted? Quite a tough question. I challenge you this week to go and have a look at these things and say, are you devoted or are you just acting? Um, it's very easy for us to do these things. It's very easy for me to stand up here and pray. But am I doing it in my daily lives? Am I, when the things are tough at home and we're getting angry with each other and there's lots of things that are going on, yes, it happens in the Stuart household as well. Surprise, surprise. It, am, am I aware that my wife has said, shouldn't we pray and actually stop and pray? Shouldn't I be aware that my daughter has just started praying without us realizing that she started praying so that we quieten ourselves and realize that God is doing something? A true, a true example from this week is that exactly that happened on Tuesday night. We had a tense, tense evening. We turned to Jesus and we said, you do what you do. Breakthrough came the next day. Breakthrough came in the fact that Lindsay now has a job in Singapore. Lindsay now has a purpose over there, so she's not just going to be sitting in her house and looking, looking after her family and looking after me and the kids is, a, is purpose enough. But now she's got something else that she can hang on to. Um, she's got reason, reason to be there. So the, what, the first question is, are you devoted or are you just playing? And then the second thing is, do you see this as a task or do you see this as joy that we are able to fellowship with each other, get together, have a family? So, yeah, that's my challenge to you is to have a look and to answer these questions and say, is this joy? Is this something that you're doing under joy? And then if it's not, then realizing what, it, what, what is that transition? What is the transition that takes it from a task to joy? I believe it's finding yourself in a relationship with the king. I believe it's communicating to him and saying, Lord, I'm pressing in, but I'm not getting anything out at the moment. What is it that communicate with your king and he will show you? He will change that heart from the challenges that you face. He will change it to just an amazingness of, of relationship with him and direction and guidance from him. So we have had a season of grief in this church, but having people around you, having others around you that are able to lift you up and hold you up and encourage you is part of what this church is all about. And do I see looking after people as a task or do I see it as joy? So Lord, I thank you that you are in everything, that you are for us, that you are not against us. I thank you that you have given us a blueprint on which to build, a blueprint of fellowship, a blueprint of the apostles' teaching, a blueprint of remembering you through the breaking of bread and a blueprint for prayer, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would devote ourselves to these things. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would break through the task mentality and that we would see your face and your joy in everything that it is that we are called to and that we are involved in, Lord God. I pray that we would see the opportunities that you are presenting in front of us, Lord Jesus, so that we may walk in them and that we may show others your light and your life, Lord God. I pray that as we turn from task to joy, 
that others would be infected by that, Lord God. Others would be infected by that joy and have that question that we asked earlier. How did you get through that? How did you do that? How did you endure? Only God. Only God can take us, hold us, but we need to press in and be devoted. Thank you, Lord, that we can press in. Thank you that there is no restriction on how and why and where and what we pray, Lord God. You just want us to come and be in a relationship and communicate with you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name.